Welcome to Who's On Him for another week. We're down a soldier today. JR's unwell. So I've called on some reinforcements. In fact, at least eight of them, possibly nine by the time this podcast has finished recording to help me dissect the big week that was round three. And then I'm joined by a special guest at the end to provide some tips for round four. Thanks for joining. Bit of a weird podcast this one, but we got through it. Thanks to all my helpers. I'll give you a shout out at the end. Let's get into it. First cab off the rank, and I am extremely pleased to be joined by this man. Uh, first out of all the coaches to save the pod, this makeshift podcast for this week, and that is Adam Schmidt of the Sneaky Jellyfishers. Schmidt, how are you today, mate? I'm um, good, thanks, mate. How's your day been? Uh, pretty good, actually. I, uh, I was in the Brisbane CBD today for a couple of work meetings. That was nice. So got to trundle through there and see all the happenings, getting ready for the Olympics. Uh all the redevelopments that are happening that are taking up a lot of uh, money and time, but that's okay. I'm doing okay. How's your day, mate? Oh, no, it's not too bad. The weather's absolutely perfect down here at the moment. So um, just before it all go to absolute hell for the weekend. Oh, don't talk to me about Adelaide weather. I'm missing it at the moment. I'm, uh, it's pulling up my heartstrings missing old Adelaide. So I think my get him off segment this week is going to be about homesickness, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Schmidt, you are here today to talk about your game from the weekend and uh, just looking forward to the future for the Jellyfishers. So before we get into how you went against Alex, which is now censored FFC, talk to me about your season so far. How's things going? You uh, took a risk on your draft strategy. Is it paying off? Do you need to make some changes? What's going on? Uh, yeah, having the, the predictable problems that everyone said I'd have, just figuring out captains and stuff like that early. Um, I've got options, just you know, finding who's got the form early in the season. Uh, is a massive issue. Uh, Isaac Heaney, massive shout out there, you pleb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm pretty happy with my teams out. I've just got a few injuries and stuff like that that are holding me back a little bit at the moment. So yeah, I'll come good, just whether it's too late or not, I don't know. As the years progressed and gone on, I've had a look at your team and I think you've nailed your picks in that middle range, which is what you needed to do. Because if you miss on any of them, I think you're in a world of hurt, but... People like Ed Richards, uh, Nick Blakey, even Chera as that mid-range sort of pick are fantastic. And then you've got like your big, big boys in your team who are still that middle-of-the-road sort of draft setup, like Caleb Sarong. Uh, I think you did take Isaac Heaney quite high, to be fair. But you've got some big scorers, like you mentioned, just about who to choose what week. And you nailed it this week. So I'm going to get into your game, give the listeners a, a bit of an overview. So you did go down this week, 13-81, lost to... They're now 3-0 and censored FFC, 14-55. Nailed your captain this week, though, Schmidt. Caleb's wrong, 258. Talk me through that decision. Um, well, I was just sick of Heaney, really. Uh, I drafted Heaney pretty high up. Um, he dropped a lot of tons last year, but he also dropped a lot of 60s, which he's delivered early. So, and Sarong is my boy. I think there's not too many people in the league that haven't asked me about him. Um, so he's obviously a, a league favourite. So he's kind of come... He's, he's finally delivering... Uh, he had a rough, rough first week, but he's massive this week. And yeah, thank God I picked him because I was going to go Redmond. The Riverland hero himself, Mason Redmond. So your game this week, 1381 isn't the most fantastic score we've ever seen. And it's kind of like a reverse of what's happened in the previous week, Schmidty. So the previous weeks, you've been bolstered by those mid-range players scoring in the 80s and 90s, which for the most part, I guess, has happening in midfield and even in your defense. But 
Oh, boy. Let's have a look at that forward line. Let's talk about that for a moment. I'm going to read out the scores. Yeah. For, yeah. I'm going to read out the scores for the listeners for your forward line this week. Isaac Heaney, 30. Will Hoskin-Elliott, 28. Jamie Cripps, 27. Can be excused. He did go off with a broken ankle. Oliver Henry, 54. Philippou, 40. What's your take on that? Uh, those injuries to like Hopper, Short, uh, Perryman, they, they're the ones that hurt the most because they take my forward mids, Langford, Bolton, and put them into the midfield. Mm. Um, and then you're pretty much just rolling some dice at a few free agents to fill the holes. Um, Hoskin Elliott, he'll do that to you every now and then, especially in the wet. Philippou is just a young lad. He's, he's gone. He's already on the FA list. Um, Crips unlucky. So, though, yeah, just those injuries. Yeah, yeah. The whole point of my team at the start of the year was death by a thousand cuts. No 20 scores, no 30 scores. <laughs> and, you know, two or three rounds in, I'm probably leading the league in them. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just the luck of the game, really. I've just noticed you've got Ben Long on your uh, on your bench there. That's a very nice pickup. I might come and uh, come and inquire about him during the week. I like Longy. I picked him up in a trade. I, I God knows what trade, but he he was in there somewhere. I love that that we're only three weeks into the season and we can't even remember the trades that we've picked up players in. That that is the sign of a fantastic league. I'm going to go on the flip side and have a look at Alex's team here. Um, defenders, as per normal, stood up with 80s at the minimum except for Darcy Moore and 108 from Jordan Ridley. Massive score from Tim English, 234. Norton did well. I think he kicked a few goals, so therefore he's 86. Lukosius, 100 with five goals. I've got to admit, and this might come back to bite me because I'm not sure when I'm playing Alex, he is overachieving big time at the moment. Is that your takeaway from his team? Uh, not, not really. He he has like a solid team. I'm not going to say he's one of the better teams, or like, but I could see him just taking that, like, eighth, seventh, sixth spot pretty easily. And, oh, no, good start. He probably should do from here. 3-0, and o, though. Like, 3-0 and o is ridiculous. That is what we were expecting, I don't know, Norman to be, um, B-Will to be, the likes of Echo, the, the proven fantasy performers. Alex couldn't even respond to a trade within 72 hours last year, and now he's sitting at the top of the ladder, 3-0. and o. I think the only undefeated team left. Something has to give. I think you're right. I think he probably does slot into that seventh or eighth position, but I don't know where this loss is going to come from with some of these performances at the moment. Will said it feels very annoying. I don't know if you had your eyes on him, but I definitely did. I don't know when he grabbed him, but he's uh, he's becoming quite a handy pick. Yeah, and no, I definitely wanted Setterfield. He went, I think it was one of those rounds that I didn't have a pick in, and he went right right in the middle of that, which was a bit disappointing, but oh, well, you win some, you lose some. All right, Schmidt, we're going to keep moving on because I've got seven more coaches to interview after you, which is just going to be a fantastic but whirlwind experience. I'm going to ask you uh, a few questions that aren't directly related to your game but are a prediction for the future or, I guess, a, a snapshot of where the league is currently. So, Schmidt, in your opinion, your humble opinion, who is the most under-pressure coach that we have in the league right now? Uh, I'm going to throw it to Grady. <laughs> he, he put a lot of effort into this year. Like, I'll give him some credit. He much improved from last year, like, and he's been firing a few jabs on the side and, you know, all that sort of builds up to be one and two now. And he's probably the most active trader in the comp, I'm going to say right now as well. He obviously knows that he has to do something. Um, so I think he's feeling like he's the most under pressure. So that's what I'll say to that one. While you're saying all that, I've got Messenger open and I, 
like as in the tab at the top of Chrome, and all I can see is Grady has messaged you. <laughs> and I'm pretty, pretty. He's good. He, he drops a lot of messages in, and and like you know, he's actually a pretty good, fair trader. But you know, he he knows he knows he's gonna do something pretty quickly. One thing I've noticed about trading, and not to say that I thought Grady was a ripoff last year because he actually wasn't, but there were some people in the league that you could definitely get a good deal out of. I haven't got that this year. There's nobody that's willing to give up players for nothing or panic trade or anything. Are you expecting that to change or do we think uh, that could just be where the league's at right now? Yet. I'll say yet. You could go, some teams could lose the next three games. I'm not looking at the revolving doors or not. And then <laughs> lose three games and all of a sudden a bomb's dropped and, you know, we've got a completely different team. So it's still early. Like, you know, even basics and dyslexics, three and zero, or zip and three, sorry. That's not that bad. There's still 17 games to go. So give it time. I have to ask you a quick question because, and this is going to take away from the spotlight of your game because I'm going to quickly switch to mine. I beat uh, Regan with the, like holding the ball in the last 30 seconds on the weekend. And all I could think of was, do you remember not last year, the year before when I had J-Mac and he dropped that like 45 point quarter when I was playing you and he ended up beating or yeah. So that's all it reminded me of. And the elation, I was like, I haven't felt this since that exact moment. I was looking at J-Mac as well. I still want him pretty badly this year. Ooh, we can talk. We can talk. He's currently uh, sitting mm-hmm. on my pine. That's how uh, That's how okay my midfield is going. Uh, next question, yeah. Schmidt. Biggest pretender. Who is the biggest pretender in the quadruple AFL right now? Really hard. I'd say easy option is Alex saying, I think he's going to drop off a little bit. Still make finals, mm. but drop off a little bit. Um, I, I definitely tipped JR for the spoon. <laughs> and to be two and you one right now, person. I'm going to say JR. Yeah, no, I, I, I love JR, but his team, I don't. It's just not that great. It- well, I've got JR this week, so I think, and I would almost put myself in a pretender category. I don't think I deserve to go two and one at the moment, so it might be a pretender off our match this week, so we'll see how we go. Um, last question, Schmidt, before we let you go. Who is your tip that can't be yourself for the Premier this year? Uh, definitely my boy Keefe's. He's just got the, the league in the palm of his hand at the moment. Can't do anything wrong. Just those those lucky picks in his draft are all paying off. It just it's all happening for him. So uh, it's at this stage, I wouldn't say it's his to lose, but he's he's up there. He's right up there. It's reminded me of 2021 with the Took pick that uh, he had that really just set and forget captain that's going to bank you the points every week, which is now Clayton Oliver in his team. And then a really good supporting cast behind him. And it's just, I'm seeing 2021 all over again. So at the moment, I think uh, I'm agreeing with you that he could be the favorite for the Premier. Schmidt, I said you've got about 10 minutes. It's been 11 minutes, which is perfect when I edit this down. You are a champion. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Good luck, everyone. Time for the second coach to join me for this makeshift emergency podcast. Very pleased to get this, man. You're sort of an enigma. Sometimes we see you, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we hear from you, sometimes we don't. And we're hearing from you at the moment because you are coach of a roaring Slippery Licorice team. John Madison's, how are you today? I'm I'm amazing, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. And um, look, I can't be too upset because my team's doing pretty well. So I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. Two and one isn't a fair reflection of your team, mate. I was looking at it before... You deserve to be three and O, and we do have uh, Alex at the top. That is that is three and O. I yeah. think I think 
maybe besides Keefe's and no, actually besides Keefe's, I reckon you're you've got the best team in the league. How are you feeling heading into the rest of the year with uh, your boys locked and loaded? Uh slightly confident. I'm not sure. It's it's really hard with fantasy because obviously I've had. I mean, you guys probably don't remember, but in our first year when we had our um, VFL season, <laughs> I was like, I reckon I was like 14 and two or something, 14 and no, or something, 12 and 0. I can't remember. It was something ridiculous. Ended up losing the last five games of the season. So that's the storyline that most people don't know about. Um, it's probably not something I'm proud of, but kind of proud of it in a way because it was the only season where I was half decent. So, but yeah, no, nah, looking looking forward to this season. So far, so good, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that, and I've been the commissioner of this league since the get go. Now I think about it, you were pretty handy that late, uh, that first year. I just couldn't remember how handy you were. Did you get injuries? Injuries, everything happened. I choked big time. I, I reckon, <laughs> yeah, like lost the last four or five games, and that was straight sets um, in finals. So, yeah, it was devastating. Let's get into your game for the week. You played the hapless losers, the basics from James Davies, who scored a punitive total of 1372. And John, you scored a current league record for season 2023 of 1640. Were you just watching your phone over the weekend going, what is happening? I mean, normally I watch my phone like a lot during fantasy and I'm chidding it. I'm stressing that I'm going to lose. And like first week I lost by six points. But this week I was kind of just watching it to see if I could get to 1600. Um, I think I won that pretty early. And um, it's also a pleasure to beat Davies because I reckon he was on the podcast week one and he was talking about how um, he has an easy run this season because he's playing me twice. So um, I had to absolutely destroy him, which I did do. So well, I was <laughs> that, gonna, was, uh, yeah, that was good. I was going to ask you that uh, 1640 is an incredible score, but do you feel like you wasted it on James Davies <laughs> considering you only needed a 1380 to beat him this week? Yeah, and percentage doesn't really count this year, does it? It's like total, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, total, total points. I mean, still count. Well, you do have the highest score out of the entire league at the moment with 4,651 points, as in, sorry, total score over the three games, I mean, which goes to show that you were quite unlucky to lose that first game, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that was to the, probably the premiership favourites, probably equal 1A, 1B with you, the Keefies, is that correct? Yeah, mate, yeah, so it was uh, Liam Jones, he got me a seven, and I think it was... Um, <laughs> It was Rory Lobb as well. He got me a 30. So everything was going great. Amazing. I got a high score that week, but those two scores just killed me. Um, he has LDU, who's shit hot, best player in the league right now. So um, I can't complain too much. Fuck, you only took about three and a half minutes to get onto North Melbourne talk. You you North fans are coming out of the woodwork. Mate, if you caught me last week, it would have been different, but I've got to be a bit more modest now, Bit bit back to reality, I think. Let's talk about your game. I'm going to ask you just to highlight a few players that you were exceptionally happy with on the weekend. Obviously, the first one to me that sticks out is Doherty, but who else you got? Yeah, well, Doherty's probably been one who I haven't been happy with this season, and he pulled up right at the right time because there wasn't that many massive scores, and he was the best one. So I had it, I had the V on him, so I had to do some scrambling, get rid of some good scores to fit it in because I was just running around like a headless chook on the weekend. But he did well. Um Parish, he's done really well. Liver, who's just been amazing this season. Um, got him in classic as well. He's killing it. Seb Ross, Dylan Shield, um, even Goldie. So pretty much most of my team. Oh, and Swinkowski, of course. The, the, the free agency pickups. Yeah, what a what a gun. He's actually a really good player. You know what's amazing? I haven't watched much free years. Do you know what's amazing about this score as well? Is I'm just looking now, you didn't have Jai Simpkin play either. I forgot about that. So you're missing probably what your second Best midfielder there? Yeah, third pick. Well, third pick of my draft, yeah. 
second that, midfielder. That is amazing. And and on top of that, wow, just looking through this score, this is actually incredible. You're also nursing a Toby uh, a Toby Green 30 in there. Yeah, yeah. So big big scores from the midfield that really um, did the damage. That was, I reckon there's a lot of 116s or 119s. So, yeah. Looking at your opponent, James Davies, oh, less said the better. We had a nice captain score from Lockie Neal. I don't know if you saw, uh, John, but... Davies decided to captain Lockie Neal on the Thursday night <laughs> rather than put a VC loophole yeah. on him. And it kind of worked, but it also kind of didn't because uh, Josh Kelly scored more, but it wouldn't have mattered in the grand scheme yeah. of things. Interesting strategy from him. I feel like he would have, yeah, he probably would have taken Neil's score anyway. Um, so on the night, I was a bit confused because <laughs> um, he seems like a professional. He, he, I swear he spends most of his life in fantasy, which probably most of us do. <laughs> so I can't have a dig at him. But um, yeah, that was weird. But you know what? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> so, I have a stat for you, John. Yeah, I was looking through, and I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but someone can uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. James Davies has the second highest amount of hundreds for the week this week, and that is five. So Lockie Neal's turned up, James H turned up, Josh Kelly turned up, Luke Jackson turned up, and Isaac Smith turned up, and the only person yep. to beat him was yourself. <laughs> <laughs> with with and I didn't know that and it's kind of funny because by that point the game was already over. I think they were all Sunday games really for the most part besides locking you I think they were Sunday games. So it was pretty much wrapped up by that point. I think he had to make up I think he had to make up like a thousand <laughs> with nine players and most of them being scrubs. So yeah, I wasn't really too concerned. It's pretty interesting that he scored one of the lowest scores that we've had in the league this year or around the mark with 500s. If you're scoring 500, well, you scored 600s and you've posted a league record. 500s and you're also yeah. posting one of the lowest scores, that goes to show that there might be uh, there might be a bit of quality at the top end but not a lot in the middle and uh, lower ends for James Davies. Well, that's what happened to me last season. I actually had probably about three or four players that I could use as captain. But I ended up winning, finishing the season with three or four wins, and um, it was a shit show. So yeah, drafting is important. Getting those, like you know, those players that can get your eighties and even seventy five. So and those players that aren't going to get your twenties or get injured. So there's a couple there. I'm looking at like Nick Larkey. He can get you a good good score sometimes, but when when North lose, it's not going to be good for you. Um, Jake Lever as well. I'm actually looking at his scores. I'm surprised it adds up to that low. <laughs> I was looking at the same thing going. Like, he's got a yeah. few 80s thrown in there as well. Bad, it? No, it doesn't. Like, Sam Flanders yeah. went off injured, so that's a little unlucky for Davies. But I was looking around going, there's, like, some 80s in there. There's a couple of 60s, which, like, aren't great, but they're not, like, the worst thing that you yeah, ever have. I just I, – I don't understand how that adds up, so I might need to make sure that fantasy math is working there. Um, John – on this podcast today, I'm going to ask the same three questions to each of the coaches that I have on, and it's now your turn. You're the next cab off the rank. Yeah. First of all, who is the most under-pressure coach in the league? God, um, it's a hard one. I almost think that it could possibly be JR in a way, <laughs> in not the sense that he was any good last year, but obviously he won the first year. He's had a few really bad years, and um, obviously his drafting strategy is always questionable. I did say, I was the person that said, um, and I reckon it might have been the second podcast, that he would be finishing second bottom, which I'll probably take that back. I mean, last week I probably thought that was the case, but he had a really good score this week. So he talks a lot of smack in on the podcast. Um, 
he likes having an opinion on everyone's team. So, um, <laughs> you know, you want it to go well. You want it to go well. And we, we probably all of us shouldn't be speaking too much smack. <laughs> oh, no, you have to speak smack on this podcast. That's one of the requirements of coming on. My favorite thing about this is, well, there's two favorite things, actually. I love the fact that we're all giving uh, a few pot shots at JR while he's off crook because that's great because he has no no chance to defend himself. But also, um, you don't know this, but I just interviewed Adam Schmidt beforehand, and he also said that JR was the most under-pressure coach, and he also oh. selected him to finish bottom. <laughs> so you said second bottom, and he said oh. bottom. <laughs> there we go. Well, interesting times. It'll be interesting to see with his team. It's one of those teams where I do think he could maybe make finals, maybe do a right, um, but then I could see it going to shambles very quickly. But he did really well with that Sheasel pick because – that's probably the pick of the draft. Your boy, far, to be honest. Your boy. What a stud. Next question. Biggest pretender. Yep. At least the biggest pretender at the moment. Um, God. I'd probably have to think Norman. <laughs> at the moment. Or actually, you know what? In terms of where we're at, is that what you mean? Like at round yeah, three? At round three. Yeah, who... I would say probably well, Jarrett Presbury. So <laughs> um and he's a North Melbourne brother, so I don't wanna don't wanna paying that too much but um he's what got equal well so what is he two and one but he's got the least amount of points in the whole league and the least for uh, at least against sorry so um he could definitely be in james davies position and james could be in his position if the fixtures went the other way around so that's always that always sucks wow um, you are are correct actually he's got so he has the least points against but he has one more point than the what we have described as the hapless James Davies. So four one six zero for Presbury and four one five nine for Davies. That is very telling. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good answer. It's amazing how um, the fixture can completely change the narrative of someone's season, and um, that happened to me last season as well. I was doing a right, and then just a really bad, few bad losses, and then you're just cooked and you're, you're chasing your tail trying to do some bad trades that will get you the win for the week and you end up losing a good player and losing the game so you're cooked last question can't pick yourself who do you think will be premier this year this changes so often but i was thinking keefies and i probably will still stick to that he had a bad week this week didn't he so it's it's a hard one but i still think his team's solid i'm gonna go have a look at his team now but yeah he's got a lot of good players and um Picked up a lot of players at the right right time, mm. right place. Like, didn't didn't overpay or pick too early for mm. the players that he got. So, I'd be pretty stoked if I was him. Yeah, and he's got Clary, Clary walking walking one twenty one thirty at the moment. Clary, he is absolutely on fire. Um, look, I think you echo the sentiments of the group at the moment. I think Keefe's might be the flag favourite. And to be honest with you, if it's going to be anyone, it's probably a good thing that it's Dean. So, one of the nicer men in the league, John. That's it, mate. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We're going to let you go. And too long between drinks. We're going to have to get you on the podcast again very, very shortly. That's it, mate. It's been a pleasure. But anytime, anytime, get me on. I'm keen. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Third coach up and probably my favorite out of the bunch. I am so excited. I haven't seen this man in person since draft day and then before that quite a while. We lived together for a good six-month period there. I consider him one of my closer friends. He is an absolute legend and a very relieved coach right now. Coach of the Collie Wobbles, Bradley Williams. B Will, how are you? I'm going good, mate. Yourself? Good to be on here, Evans. Um, very relieved. Yeah, what a uh, what a couple of weeks in the uh, AAFL fantasy world. I see that right now, mate. Uh, but it's uh, fantastic to finally be uh, invited on. 
you've been almost top of the list the entire time, but we've just had a few storylines that we've needed to get out the way. We've had Davies being pathetic, and then we've had, you know, the Mad Jacks flying, who you've knocked off over the weekend and we'll get to. But, yeah, you've definitely been uh, high on the priority list, mate. But before we get into it and before we get into the fantasy world, just want to ask you, how's the shoulder feeling? You had a bit of a mishap on the weekend and uh, your debut for your new footy club. Everything going all right? Yeah, no, mate. Um, got to do all clear this, uh, this morning, actually. Got out and had a scan on the old uh, shoulder. So no ligaments or no uh, major damage to the joint, which is fantastic. But uh, went in there, mate, to the new club on the weekend and decided to dislocate my shoulder. So um, that wasn't too good, but uh, we'll be all right. We've got three weeks to get ready for round one, mate. So um, we'll see how we go. Well, mate, the real football has started three weeks ago and uh, it didn't start off very well for you. You were Norton 2 coming into this year as a, a few people's tip to win the flag on the back of a very impressive season last year, 17-2. and two. And, yeah, like I said, mate, it wasn't, wasn't the most ideal start. You want to talk me through those first two weeks and how you were feeling? It's, it's funny, looking back at the I don't look, look I don't like looking back. I um, Look, it's coming to the year. I uh, drafted, I thought I drafted quite well. Um, did some good moves and definitely after round one, I know Grady played his grand final round one, but um, I don't <laughs> like sh- throwing shades at Grady, but um, after his comment on O'Meara on the weekend, um, he got what he deserved, a knockout with us. But uh, oh, I was sitting there after round one, on one thinking, all right, it's not too bad. I'll, I'll be able to rebuild. And so I won't throw the, to- the toys at the cot just yet, but uh, and 2 happens and there's a few few coaches meshing me privately and um it's, it's not about being cocky enough. I didn't know what losing was like last year, unfortunately, and it was, it was hard to cop it last year. <laughs> um, I lost three times last year and um, twice to Echo and once to you. Um, so um, I didn't Did I really you? know what losing was felt like till this year. So, yeah, you beat me last year. You Shit. beat me in the buy rounds. Oh, the old, so, um, old buy round win, the old Davy special. I don't even count that, mate. Yeah, no correct. But, um, no, look um, – Coming to this year, uh, it was a bit of a different preparation, I think, mate. I, I, I don't read the tabloids. I don't read the social media. But, um, look, coming to the year, those question marks over myself. And um, am I fully focused this year? Like, obviously, got the new miso. And um, living with you for a while, um, was I fully focused? I um, had a few injuries in the off in the off season. And just I just didn't think I was mentally ready for it. But, um, look, um, I went to – I sat there last week. I had a chat to you and Dino two of the blokes that uh, did your opinion on my team last week. And um, I think you told me, 0-3, oh, I think the season's done. So I was driving to Wyala and um, it was really sitting in my mind thinking, all right, I've come off a good Thursday night. But um, it was it was really good to finish the game, even though I had a dislocated shoulder and um, checked the Crips, Newman and uh, Tommy Green, my new, my new fave, um, see their scores all over 100. I think the game was done by that, that stage, Saturday afternoon. I think it was done. So um, it was good to finally get that tick off. And the old uh, monkey off the back, I think. So, um, and we're on, we're on the board, and um, I'm looking forward to this week against Alex. He's already asked me for my address. Look, I'm lo- I like the cockiness from him, but um, I'm ready for a uh, a round three, or what's it, round four now, isn't it? So, uh, hopefully, be two and two. Win, win, mate. You lose, and uh, you get a Mexicano pizza. So it's it's all good. It's all good in Beaver's house. That's right. That's right. Just one last thing on being Norton 2, mate. And we'll actually go back to when you were Norton 1 and losing that, uh, that gr- well, Grady's grand final, as you put it. And you mentioned to me uh, and Dean in that private group that, and I will use a direct quote, geez, I'm fighting some demons on the way home right now. <laughs> <laughs> was that after Grady? Yeah. Yeah, look, um, yeah, it was actually, I was going to um, Ash's parents' place that night and I didn't actually watch any Sunday football. So I didn't know what was going on. 
and I just saw my watch. Obviously, um, or I think Dean was talking about how much Luke Ryan was going off or something. And I'm sitting there just going, oh, no, I wonder what's happening to my boys. Oh, surely my boys. And I, was, I knew Merritt got the tag before I left. And I'm sitting there and I knew his score was 27, drained 10 points at half time. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, I've stuffed up here. I've, I've got Merritt as a captain round one. And he's going to drop me like a 50 like he did in the prelim final. Um, he got tagged by William Drew. It was all deja vu all over again. Yeah, I was I was finding some demons in the way home. And um, it was probably the first time... Actually, seen me disappear, just down and out. <laughs> it was over fantasy and all things. So, yeah, I was definitely finding some demons. But as I said, mate, last year I think I, oh, I had a dream run. I think I was very lucky not to lose to me last year, and um, definitely uh, got my two losses out of the way early. I hope so. We'll see how we go. Last thing I'll say about this is you and I've, I've leaked these in the uh, podcast before, but you also messaged our group last week. <laughs> uh, you you said that you had a few few shandies on the weekend and you, you came home to Ash and, uh, and you've spoken about how the boys aren't gelling. The boys aren't gelling together. And she's going, what do you mean? And she goes, no, nah, my team, the Collie Wobbles, they're not gelling. <laughs> did you uh, did you do some teamwork drills during the week, mate, to get them to gel for round three? Look, we uh, we went to Wyala. That's what happened, mate. We went to the where the Outback meets the sea. I think you're pretty familiar with that location. I'm very familiar. Um, we did a mini mini preseason camp. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't play no theme songs or we didn't bloody sit there and talk about our lives and this whole stuff and all that type of issues. But um, I think we just looked at each other, mate, around the campfire. There was pressure on. Look, I think before the season started, getting told that we'll flag favourites and um, hadn't even had a like, – the ball hadn't even bounced yet. And look, flag favourites. And I think a few of the boys were a bit, um, a bit shy, I think. And we didn't really know um, how to react to it, I think. So uh, – it was good to get away for a few days. Um, the boys are gelling. Um, I think there'll definitely be some Chris Kringle presence now this year. Definitely wasn't with some before I see that because uh, if I was 0-3, Evans, I think one of my big guns might have been on the move just mm. to uh, make a statement. Where the Outback meets to see, you would have uh, shown the boys a cuttlefish and uh, took them to a tour of the steelworks and they would have been right as rain, ready to go. Yeah, no, I think Tommy Tommy Green really liked the, uh, the round jetty. That was the best bit, mate. I think he really enjoyed that, so... Um, the boys really enjoyed their getaway. Um, shout out to the, the Wiley Caravan Part 2 for putting us up. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. I'm looking at your game right in front of me now. The Collywobbles with a, an impressive score as well. 15-03 defeated the previously undefeated podcast cursed now Magic Mike. 14-12, they go to 2-1, and one. you go to 1-2, and two. mate. I'll get you just to highlight a few players' performances on your side, and then I'll uh, I'll talk about the Mad Jacks really quickly. As we said before previously, it was a week to uh, make a statement. Very happy with Tom Green, probably the leading investment first after three rounds at the Wobbles. But um, it was it was finally good to see uh, Cripper and um, Merritt to be consistent. Real shout to Nicky Newman in the back line. A few lads had messaged me privately thinking that he'd only be a sixty or seventy this year, but uh, there now. That lad there, when he gets on a roll, mate, just, mm. uh, the plus six is everywhere for him. So, um, no, real shout out to Nicky Newman um, in that back line. And also, uh, a lot of shout out to Lockie Weller. Yeah, just real shining bright in the back line at the moment. Uh, 92 and a 90, I think he scored in the last two rounds, coming mm. off an ACL. So, uh, a real shout out to Lockie. He's a, uh, yeah, breath of fresh air for our back line. Um, other than that, it was a consistent score, 1,500. And look, that's where we aim to be we're on a weekly basis if we want to match it with the key fees and probably... Regan's team, I guess. They're the top two and with them um, up at the moment. If we don't score 1500s, mate, we expect to be mid-table below. Looking at Jono's team, the opposition for the week, 
Tom Stewart came into his team. That wouldn't have uh, made him very happy after Geelong just flagrantly lied on their injury sheet and uh, got him ready and up and about for your game. But dropped a 130, which was to be expected. Didn't matter. Still did enough to get the job done. So not bad scores from Jono across the board. It's not the reason why you won on the weekend because I think you would have had enough firepower there. But just looking, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy McGovern going down on 43 and Luke Shuey on 28. Now having a look at his team long-term, mate, I think he could be in a bit of trouble with uh, a couple of big boy injuries there. Uh, any advice to Jono? Well, look, I was uh, thinking about it too. Like, I think JR has previously said on the podcast that um, he's got a really good back line and a really good forward line. Uh, what do you call it? The pensioner club in the middle there, I think? Uh, uh, Dad's army. Look, Dad's army. That's what it was. <laughs> Jono's going to have to make three forced changes this weekend. Um, obviously, with Shuey going out, McGovern, and I think Peddler's accepted one week as well. So... Um, he got to make three forced changes to that team, which uh, I think the Mad Jacks were in cloud nine last week when I saw him at the stable. He was very confident heading into the overseas trip. But uh, I think there might have been a few questions asked after that game on the weekend. I'm uh, looking at a few blokes that, um, look, don't just count on those uh, chickens just yet, mate, because if you're dropping 1400s, you definitely don't want to go overseas just yet. Look, Mad Jacks should definitely be uh, still around the mark, but that midfield is really, yeah, I'm worried for it. All right, the Wobbles go to one and two. Very, very impressive uh, comeback performance from them. They're good to go for round four and onwards, and uh, Madjax moved to two and one. Quick few questions that I'm going to ask every coach that I have on the podcast today, mate. Three of them. Your first one. Who is the most under-pressure coach that we have in the league at the moment? Ah, uh, look, the, under, the most under-pressure coach, look, I think he puts it on himself, but even though he's uh, started bad, he's got a good day, but... Lockie Norman is the most under-pressure coach, no matter what, this year. No matter what, he's come off the flag. He pretty much said he was a certainty to win back-to-back. I think he, I think it's helped helped the Wobbles a little bit too in the media during the last couple of weeks. I think mm. he's copped a fair bit. And I think we deserved a little bit as well, the Wobbles did. But um, having a reigning Premier 0-2, he's definitely taken the hits. But uh, every week, he's got to cop it. No matter what, win, lose, or draw, I think uh, he's the most under-pressure coach all this year. Great response. I could not agree more, and I love the fact he's putting some pressure on himself. Let's go to the next one. Biggest pretender. Biggest pretender in the league currently. Who is uh, overachieving and uh, will be coming crashing down very shortly? Biggest pretender in the league. Look, uh, biggest pretender. That's a real tough one because this year has been so tight, so close. Um, I think everyone, except the things on record, there's only one coach that didn't draft too well, but... um, the, the pretender at the top of the table at the moment, it's it's probably out there at the moment, but uh, I think the March Premier every year is Regan. And <laughs> um, look, unfortunately, um, I haven't seen no flying doors this week. Have I missed it? But um, Oh, shit. There hasn't sure been. put one out this week, has he? Oh, wow. No, first I loss. Think, um, I think... I think the first loss and sitting two and one at the moment. Look, nah, I think I think Regan at the moment at the top of the ladder, he might drop down a little bit. Well, the one that I'm worried about, and this is probably a surprise to you, lads. I don't know if you lads have said he's he's got a good team, but Matsy, when time counts in in September, he might just forget to check his team. <laughs> um, he's got a really good mission. I was looking at the other day, and he's he's put a really good team. And I see on draft day, he was really focused, and um, yeah, he's he should be really proud of it, but. I just, I just, I'm worried for him when it comes to the, the finals that um, he's just not going to get the right free agents. We know that you've got to be on the ball, you've got to be on the Twitter pages, you've got to be on Facebook, you've got to be the new. I know I think his nickname is Jane Doyle at the moment, but um, in the fantasy chat group. But uh, unfortunately, see, when the time comes, 
I think when we know we're going to find out who the uh, the men are between the boys. I think Matty might just drop down, but I could be wrong. That's the one thing I'm worried about for him. But if he keeps it up, focuses on his team, who knows? It could be the year. Um, let's go to the last question, mate. We're going to the Premier for 2023. This cannot be yourself. Who have you got locked in at the moment? Really quick response. Go for it. Yeah, look, you'd be pretty blind not to pick this bloke at the moment, but um, his team's flying, and with Duncan coming back into the, into the team this week, I expect to see him every week scoring 1,500. So um, the Keefies would be my tip to win the flag after round three. That's three for three for the Keefies. All three coaches have had on so far. I think that he is uh, ready to go, and I think that's uh, echoed from most of the group, mate, because we've uh, we've spoken about it with him privately, and we said, I think you're ready. I think I think this is the year. Keefies going to win another one, and he's mm. gone, nah, nah, we'll just see how we go. Very, very humble man he is, so... And shout out to you, Bradley Williams. Thank you very much, mate. It's been great catching up. I'll be seeing you at Gather Round next weekend. I am very, very excited to catch up with you and a few of the other boys. And, yeah, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, thank you, Evans. Enjoy the rest of your night, mate. And uh, say hello to Alicia for me. I haven't seen her for a while. So uh, look forward to getting up there and uh, catching up with you too, too. All right. So look after yourself. Beauty. Thanks, mate. The last guest we had, I said was my favorite coach to have on the podcast. And that is a lie because I am joined by opponent from the week just gone, the previously undefeated Regan Mastringello. Regan, how are you today? <laughs> uh, pretty good, mate. Am I your, am I your favorite coach because you like me or you like to hate me? I like it because of the result on the weekend. I reckon this could have been a very different conversation uh, should you have uh, gotten up on the weekend. How are you feeling after finally losing that... Uh, that undefeated streak that was happening and everything was going well. And there was, uh, I've noticed there's no sliding doors this week. Everything okay? Actually, fuck you. Usually I've got a good day on Tuesday and I endeavor to uh, ride at work on Tuesday. And that is the first time I've thought about it all day. I completely forgot. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I will do it. I will do it tomorrow. I'm a changed man. I'm committed. I'm committed to seeing it out for at least another three or four weeks. So it will, it will drop tomorrow, I promise. I didn't even notice it was missing until B-Will pointed out. He goes, geez, I haven't seen uh, sliding doors this week. Is everything all right? Is everything going okay with him? It's good, it's, good to, it's good to know that people are looking out for it. It means it's quality content. Let's talk about our game. Revolving Doors Fantasy Football Club 1472 in a nail-biter defeat. The DVTT's 1463. I tell you what, this was... I'm not going to describe it as a roller coaster because it never, I don't know, your, your opinion, you were also in the game. It never went sort of up and down. It was always, you were a little bit in front, but I was doing enough to hang around. And that process just kept repeating throughout every single game. I thought you might have had a bit of separation in the Hawthorne game with that monster score from Sicily, but definitely wasn't a roller coaster. It was just me being annoying and not going away and you probably not doing enough to put me away. What do you reckon about that? Yep. Pretty much agree with everything. Like the 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 turning point was when fucking Ben Brown got subbed off on seventeen. Um, just 30, thirty points is all I need out of him. The other one actually too that um needs to uh needs to answer to his his shit second half is fucking Alex Neil Bullet. He was on about forty five points that quarter time and finished on sixty nine or something like that. So he he should have turned up and didn't. So it was one of those things like just every, every time I pulled away a bit, I just had a couple bloke absolutely stop. I mean, my West Coast and Frio too. Like, yes, 
Brayshaw came to the party late and Brass got a couple cheap ones. But like if if my two blokes just pull ten or twelve points out of their ass in last quarter, then I'm all good. They just did absolutely nothing. Like didn't touch it either. So yeah, pretty pretty frustrating. Especially I reckon I went into what that last quarter. I think I was it was it was close and then somehow stretched out to about seventy points. And I was pretty I was ninety nine percent sure that I was I was home. And that's why it was so fucking annoying that last two minutes, that little brace or kick to kick, <laughs> tackle free kick bullshit. That was it. I wasn't watching. I was out for dinner um, on Sunday night, but I can guarantee you I had one eye just uh, making sure that, well, to be honest with you, making sure that I was uh, definitely going to lose, which is what I thought probably heading into that last quarter. And it was just about salvaging, I guess, as little of a loss as possible. And then all of a sudden, Brayshaw just got to move on. And it just came from nowhere. And I got, <laughs> I managed to get home in time for the last two minutes of the game. Turned it on and uh, Alicia said to me, we're not really watching the last two minutes of uh, Fremantle versus West Coast <laughs> when the game's over. And I said, I just need Andrew Brayshaw to get, I think I said a tackle and a kick or something like that. And then as I was saying it, there he was holding the ball on some irrelevant West Coast player that was just weak as anything. And then a kick after just to seal it. And then Barassi just uh, a kick on the siren to add insult to injury. How are you feeling watching that last couple of moments? Oh, in in the moment, I was I was fucking pretty pissed off, <laughs> obviously. And then I reckon the five minutes prior, I basically got got the hard word from Debbie that like this this is like enough's enough. Like I've had enough of this shit, basically. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I I think I said to you like afterwards, after an hour of just being fucking livid, I was sort of like. I think it's it's good in some way because now I've finally come to the realization I'm not going to go through and win the flag undefeated and untouchable, which was a a a, a possibility until until now. But uh, look, I I ultimately think the fact that like every week if I'm not winning, I'm like being reeled in in the last two minutes or whatever, means that I'm I'm competitive every week. I'm like. Jared Presbury, who I've got this week, and I'm rubbing my hands together. It's also uh, a fair sign that your Sunday evenings are not going to be stress-free and the roller coaster of emotions that you've exhibited over the past couple of weekends are probably going to continue. The... <laughs> I don't, it wasn't it wasn't present last year for you. It wasn't the oh this is happening now it's this now it's this now it's this. It was just sort of stable in 2022. But I don't know. It must be the weight of expectations that have uh, got you up and about this year. Yeah, I, I I think there's I think there's genuine confidence in my side. I think I I drafted well, and I think that I'm pretty happy with the the crew that I've got. So I, I reckon you know I'll I'll be there when the whips are cracking. So it's probably a little bit of extra stress and anxiety about the fact that this this could be and should be the year. So we'll see we'll see if the the fantasy gods smile upon me because they fucked Jono over. <laughs> On the weekend, unfortunately. We're all very devastated about that. Absolutely, yeah. RIP, Jono's uh, two West Coast boys. Just looking at this game, speaking about coulders and shoulders and orders, there's probably three things that could have happened in this game that would have handed you the win. First of all, you mentioned it's Ben Brown scoring more than 17 before being subbed off. It is Darcy Fort also being subbed off. That is very unlucky. Any of those two scoring, what, an extra... What did I win by? An extra... 10 points would have handed you Eight. that win. Uh, uh, no, one by nine. So 10 points would have been enough to hang you that win. Eight. And the other one that has probably gone under the radar, and you probably wouldn't have done it anyway, 
But on Saturday morning, after acquiring Miles Bergman, I did offer you an immediate straight swap Miles Bergman for James Robottom trade, which if uh, they swapped positions and I had Robottom and you had Bergman, we would have been looking at a very different result. Any quick thoughts on that? Uh, no, nah, not really, because that I, I never would have agreed to that. And I think... I, th- I think that row bottom will be will be good, and I'm happy to hold on that. I did this afternoon do a bit of a deep dive into his fantasy scoring from last year, and he is a lower possession getter, and he is inclined to some lower scores in amongst some higher scores every now and then, largely on the back of tackles and when he does slip up that into that 22, 24 possession range. So uh, I think he's going to be an 80, 85 average Long term, anyway, he's just had a had a couple of down ones to start. So, yeah, no Berg and Bergman started like shit too, and I thought halfway through I was vindicated anyway. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be much difference between those two across the course of the year. Nah, agree. Just to clarify one thing, you said that you had a busy day at work and you couldn't write sliding doors, but you've done a deep dive into James Robottom's 2022 season. Um, they don't, they don't really add up to me. I, I never said I had a busy day. I just said that I. <laughs> actually just forgot about it which is which is the the truth um <clears throat> probably i would probably would have remembered if there was more to gloat about but um yeah no the, the, there there'll be a there'll be a um a, a rough edge to sliding doors this week i reckon all right let's get into the three questions i'm asking each coach at the end of the interview first question who is the most under pressure coach in the quadruple afl at the moment oh Without doubt, the most under pressure coach is Grady Hard after his first after his first win, and the kind of the self promotion around this is it. He's back. He's 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 in business, and the question marks that were circling about whether he actually knows what the fuck he's doing because this happens every year. Lo and behold, it's happening again. His team's trash. It's scoring rubbish. Um, he he is he is bottom four, like lock locking it. Absolute no, no, no doubt whatsoever. He will be bottom four. <laughs> Fucking whack. Uh, next question: Who is the biggest pretender in the quadruple AFL? Uh, biggest pretender. I, I, I would say that it is Alex. The reason being, it's Alex and not Presbury. It's Presbury now has a loss under the belt, so there's a bit of a reality check there. Sitting at two and one, uh, on the back of some lucky wins with some average scoring. Uh, and Alex is in the same boat. Point point scored. It's not not looking too flash for him, so he won't be undefeated for much longer. He will be lucky. I can see like a run of five losses for him, and lucky to make the eight. You're the fourth coach I've had on this uh, extravaganza emergency podcast, and you're the first person to choose Alex as that uh, under pressure. Sorry, uh, as that biggest pretender coach. And I have to say, I agree with you. Three and zero is not a true reflection of his team. I think uh, he is in for a rude shock in the coming weeks. I'm not sure who he's got this week, but hopefully it is this week. Last question. You answered this on the pod. You're our first returning uh, returning guest. So congratulations on that, by the way. And uh, you've done really well again, so we might have to get you back on. But last time, I can't remember who you mentioned. I think you may have said Norman. I don't think that'll be your response this time around. <laughs> who is your tip for the Premier of 2023? And it cannot be yourself. Um, yeah, look, I, I I definitely wouldn't go with Norman anymore, but it's it's legitimately a raffle. Like it it's a it's an absolute. Um, I mean, it's just a, re- a reflection of the quality of the league. 
I I mean I I don't know who I can really go with here. So let's let's just go with the one that the bloke who has remained uh, or avoided the injuries like Jono did on the weekend and has been putting out big scores. And that's John. Mm. John seems to just be dropping down the numbers that are needed to to get it done. And that would be an almighty fucking coup for the for the league if if if, if John won it. So look, Raffle uh, couldn't couldn't split half a dozen teams. Let's let's go with him. Fuck! What a what a strange premier John would be. John, John having bragging rights but refusing to use them for twelve months would be just just a weird thing for the league. Yeah, no, I, I think a I think a, a John premier wouldn't fit the narrative of the league, which is being just an arrogant fuck at every opportunity you can. Um, but maybe maybe it would be a refreshing change and get us back on the right the right path because the vitriol has just been dialed up to twelve this year, like. And I have, I have, I have enjoyed being a, a part of that. I must part. admit, <laughs> you, I'd say you're the main contributor. <laughs> I mean, but, but I said before, like I, I'm not. There is, and I'm honest when I say this, this is 100 percent the truth. There, there is not one part of me that is actively like going out of my way and trying to be the villain. I literally just whatever's thrown at me, I bat it away in in what I see as the appropriate fashion, which is just to be a fucking cunt. So I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just picking the low hanging fruit that, that, that is there for the taking. So if that makes me a villain, well, I apologize. Well, I don't apologize, but yeah, you know, I, I admit, I admit to that being, that being the truth. Regan, it has been a pleasure as always. The honesty is refreshing. You're never, you're never too honest in the group, or at least uh, you're never too honest in your dealings when it comes to trade talks and so on. So it's, uh, it's a nice change of pace for you. Thanks for joining us today on Who's on Him, and we will see you next time. No worries. On Zoom with me right now is the most unlucky coach in quadruple AFL for season 2023, the hot favourite for the violin and also the hot favourite for best in chat. I am joined by Adam Leachy Leach. Leach, how are you today, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Have a disappointing weekend, but in holiday mode, so it could be worse. The thing is, mate, you're going on holidays, but you're not going on holidays with a win at the moment unless you get one this weekend. Then no. I think you needed to bank a few before you're in... Uh, in sunny Europe, just doing what you want. Are you uh, are you concerned? Well, my goal was to bank a few before I go, and then now I'm looking at 0-4 and going over there. So yeah, I'm a little bit concerned, but I think I've still got the team. I've just need a little bit of luck on my side, which <laughs> you, I've had none. I was about to say, you've had a lot so far. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it's all out the way early, my bad luck, and I uh, get a good run by the end of the season. Hey, before we get into your game from the weekend... Who would you say out of the league has been into your DMs the most to try and like steal your players? Like knowing that you're in like a weak position at the moment, who's been the person who's been like pestering you the most? Uh, I I would say you are up there, <laughs> definitely up there. I always get a Norman on a Sunday night, but he takes no for an answer, and he's just all right. Have a good night, and he's straight out. Um, I've had Grady a fair few times this year, to be honest. Grady's been, but like, he wants me to take his players. It's yeah, he really. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> Grady's been heaps active yeah. on trades. We were talking about that the other day. Uh, sorry, uh, with another coach on before that, he would be like one of the most active traders at the moment. So he's obviously seen a few problems that he needs to fix up as well. Your result from the weekend: dyslexia untied thirteen eighty one loses to danger club who get their first win 1450 talk me through the game mate who are you happy with who are you unhappy with 
And did you think you were a chance on the weekend? I thought I was a massive chance. I was leading all weekend until the derby started on Sunday and then it all turned to crap. But I was happy with uh, Dylan Moore and Mitchell. I probably shit the better bit on Mitchell and took his score. I could have taken more score the day after, which might have got me over the line, but you've got to bank on an early 100 with the luck I've had. I'm lucky to have 22 people playing, let alone hundreds. And um, I'm obviously unhappy with Stengel. Two weeks in a row now, with, without a goal, with barely even a fantasy point. So not very happy with Stengel. I can't even look at him at the moment, to be honest. While you were just saying about how if you took Dylan Moore's score, you would have maybe gotten over the line. I just did some quick math and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you did take Dylan Moore's score, you would have won by a point. Oh, no. See, yeah, just... When you're when you're zero two, you're looking at zero three. You just had to bank on a hundred, and I did it too early. Nah, a hundred and three is fine. I've got. Ugh, I normally have a rule with uh, captains that it's normally about one ten that you definitely take. So anywhere yeah. anywhere between that hundred hundred and ten range, you can either take or not. So you didn't do the wrong thing by any stretch. It's just a, a little bit unlucky. Let's talk about some of your players, mate. First one I want to discuss is who I've been in your DMs for a couple of times, and I might be glad that he's uh, he's not in my team at the moment. And that's Bokey. What happened? Uh, well, watching that showdown, he looked like an absolute corpse out there. <laughs> um, I can't see him playing this week. I don't think they'll drop him, but oh, I was just that shambles. I've kept hold of him. A few, fair few people wanted him. I said, no, nah, he'll be all right. He'll, he'll be good for an 80 and 90. And he didn't even get half that. Oh, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. I think him and Tex didn't even get 100 between them on the weekend on that showdown. They're my only two players playing. Yeah, but what a fucking result, though. How good. It was good to watch, but not for my fantasy. I want to talk about a player who isn't actually on your team anymore, mate, but he's on uh, He's on the Mad Jacks, Tom Stewart. You did the right thing last week, and we all looked at the deal. You got Lukey McDonald. I think you got Danger back. Who, both, By the way, like both performed pretty well for you this week. But Tom Stewart went 130 after being told that he was out for four weeks and then came back the fucking week after. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, Geelong can go get fucked. I've never liked Geelong. I've only liked Patrick Dangerfield, and that is it. And this just sums it up. A four-week injury comes back a week later. With all the had Kennedy out, I had my captain Jack Steele out. I just had to do something, and I thought I got a good trade out of it. Which, to be honest, that I think Danger and McDonald both got ninety-three, and it was a two-for-one deal pretty much. And so they they won, but but yeah, Tom Stewart got like one hundred and thirty. So they yeah. But he won't even get that every week. Mm. But I'm pretty sure Danger and McDonald will get more than Stewart every week. And if they don't outscore Stewart, then I've got problems. Nah, I think I think you've still done all right overall with the trade. And considering where you were as well, like <laughs> that was rough as anything with uh, with your Tom Stewart injury. And then like the week later, Jack Steele. Were that your first two picks gone? Yeah, so on the weekend, I had Jack Steele number one pick, Tom Stewart number three pick, and Kennedy number five pick all out. <laughs> Three out of my first five are gone. So hang on. So if we're going by that logic, one, three, five, I'm going to see who you pick seven is after this call's done because they're going next. So just be aware, whoever that is, uh, oh, no. if you're listening. Um, on the, on the it's other probably s- <laughs> On the other side of things, we've got uh, Stasi who gets his first win of the year with a not – it's an okay score, 14.50. It's around the mark. It, not great captain score from Laddy again. That is alarm bells for Stasi, and I'm sure that there'll be a few of us in his DMs this week just saying, hey, mate, what do you reckon we can get for him? But 
we'll see how he goes with that. Um, some nice scores from Jack Silvani up forward. Um, Tim Kelly, 104 is pretty good. Jake Kelly, 115. That is ridiculous and will not happen again, or at least in not that extent. But well done, Stasi. You go to one and two. Leachy, Norton, three, mate. Not where you wanted to be. Is there a, is there a plan to get out of this? Uh, just persist. Just <laughs> hold on to those players and don't give them away like I did to Stewart. And hopefully, fully fair, I'd get, I will get some results. I was tipped to make the final. So I've got the team. I've got a solid defence. I just need my midfielders back. I have asked these questions to every coach I've had on so far, and I've received a pretty wide-ranging set of answers. I'll be interested to see who you choose for these responses. All right, number one, first question. Who is the most under-pressure coach that we have in the quadruple AFL at the moment? I would have to say Regan. bit cocky, and he yeah, he has to finish high, you'd think, with the cockiness. He's been um, loving his team this year, so... He, and I lose, losing to you, I reckon he's under the pump here. A couple more losses, and there's an implosion, I reckon. So he's brought it on himself, is what you're saying? Yep. <laughs> All right. Who is the biggest pretender for season 2023, at least at the moment? Oh, that is that is a toughie. I think Norman, just getting his first win on a weekend, and uh, lining up against the Dyslexics, I reckon it could be a, another loss of Norman this week. I'm due, so. I tell you what. If, if you, he loses to me this week, oh. he is a pretender. If, if he loses to you, mate, I'm going to have to call you from fucking Europe to get you on the podcast again because that's... Yeah. Oh, oh, I'll care. be there. I'll be on. I'll get up at 3 a.m. I don't care. I'll do it in your time. That is a story for, for the ages. <laughs> um, last question. Can't be yourself. and You said off air, it definitely won't be myself that I'm answering yeah. with. But who will be <laughs> the premier for season 2023? Well, I did say Rainers at the start, so I've got to hold... Stay true to my answer because I think they're off to a good start. Mm. He he's had a couple of injuries this week, but I think uh, Mason was looking a bit better than what we first thought. So I think I tipped Echo at the start of the year as well, and I have changed to Dean, but uh, not by much. Echo will definitely be around the mark. It is uh, getting late at night, and you concreters are up at two a.m. We know how hard you work, and uh, we know that you know you're doing God's work. So thanks, mate. We really appreciate your time, and we will catch you on the pod another time. Enjoy Europe if we don't talk again. Uh, thanks, mate. Glad to be on. Feels like it wasn't that long ago that we were talking to this man who was on top of the world, 1-0, beating the minor premier from the previous year. And here we are two weeks later, 1-2, 1,300 score to write home, or to not write home about this week, I should say. I am joined by coach of the Gina Grindhart's Grady Hard. Hello, Grady. How are you? Um, I'm going all right, thanks, Dylan. Um, I think the mood's a little bit lower than what it was the last time we spoke <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, as you mentioned, my win-loss record has deteriorated slightly since then, but it's not all panic stations. Um, but I am feeling, <laughs> I am feeling the heat a little bit, uh, having started well and have posted three scores sub fourteen hundred to start the year. Uh, so yeah, feeling feeling the heat. Your match from the weekend. Gina Grindhart's 13.07 lose to, oh, I don't even know how to describe this, a rampaging out of the blue weird score from JR's Collective Mind Galaxy Brains of 16.04. I would suggest you take solace in this, Grady, that even if you scored what would probably be a par sort of 14.20, 14.30, or even a really good 1,500 score, it wouldn't have mattered this week. That is just something that is usually unheard of, but... 
two people actually hit it this week, JR and uh, John, and you just happened to be the unlucky person on the receiving end. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, of the two teams that hit 1600, I think one will go deep in the finals. I think one will struggle to make it, but that's that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't mind being being walloped by, by a 1600 score. I feel that, you know, I think those weeks you can kind of go, well, the better team on the day one. But yeah, it was it was a very seesawing weekend for me. Uh, Thursday night with Bailey Smith as my vice captain dropping a 75 and basically me thinking that my season's over with Bevo starting on a half forward flank and him with the forwards group to then Toby Nankervis going bananas against Pendlebury in the ruck. Um, <laughs> I said to I said to a few people, I actually said to Norman um, in just messaging him before the game saying that I would put the C on Nankervis because, you know, rucking against Darcy Cameron and Ash Johnson, you can imagine my my delight when Darcy Cameron went down with a knee halfway through the third quarter, leaving Nank to disrupt solo. So, yeah, that was a really high. Then Blake Harwick dropping 60 in the first quarter, having poached him off Davies for nothing. Feeling great at that point. And then my forward line proceeded to drop 40s. Six players under 45 for the weekend, <laughs> headlined by Tom Hawkins' bat 24, just like him. Uh, yeah, so that, that was my weekend. <laughs> Let's go back to something you just mentioned there regarding the Blake Hardwick for Nathan Broad trade. You came to me maybe two hours before the match review sat down or the tribunal actually sat down and uh, delivered Broadie's fate and said, look, this is your last chance to get him for dirt cheap. Um, he's going to go, but if you can hold him, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, look, I can't hold him. We've got a couple there, but somebody, somebody will give you something. And I'll, when I said that to you, it was somebody will give you maybe a low 60s or just someone who'll play every week, but not do a lot. And then to my surprise, you've popped up in the group with uh, Blake Hardwick in your team. I almost spat my drink everywhere <laughs> when I when I <laughs> saw that. I said to JR in the pod last week, not only do I think Blake Hardwick is probably the better fantasy player in the trade, but he's also not out for four weeks. So I can't wrap my head around that. Were you, uh, how, well, put it this way, how quickly were you pressing the accept button once that came through? Uh, put it this way, uh, I was grinning like a Cheshire cat, you know, <laughs> just the Alice in Wonderland, you know, just absolutely from ear to ear. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, fair on. I mean, they are similar players. Uh, the fact that Broad is out for another three weeks was a, a bit surprising to get Hardwick, considering he dropped 100 in the first round. But look, I was happy to take him on board and watching the way the Hawks just kicked it around the back line, playing keepy off on the weekend, makes me feel like it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's, he's going to be a good pickup, I think, for the rest of the year. I was on the receiving end of that Hawthorne chippy-chippy beatdown with uh, James Sicily dropping a captain score on me of something atrocious. So, yeah, it wasn't great viewing from the from the other side, but I'm sure if you have a player in that Hawthorne back line, it will be a beautiful thing. Your forward line, you also touched on that. Harry Mackay, 40, Tom Hawkins, 24, Jack Graham, 42, Todd Marshall, 45, and Zach Vischer, who is now no longer with you, 44. I have to do some math after this, but believe it or not, that might not be the lowest four total that we've had in the competition for this round because Schmidt had like Heaney drop a 30 and somebody else dropped something else. So you, you might be having just a, a pleb fought off. So I'll have to I'll have to have a look at that. But you have to be disappointed with those five. I mean, yeah, Schmidt and I are bonding over uh, the, how shit our forward lines are. At the, at the moment, um, yeah, look, that was, it was very demoralizing uh, seeing, especially the Carlton game, kicking it to Kerno again for, the, I think, the second or third straight week, 
Harry's just struggling up there to um, get much of the spotlight. Fisher's as as I've you know trading him out. Um, I've just been sick of him watching around, running around, nowhere near the footy. <laughs> um, and then Hawkins, yeah, I mean he's just. <laughs> He's got the turning circle of a truck at the moment. He's just he doesn't look fit. Uh, so I think I'm in a yeah in a bit of bit of pain ahead in my forward line. I've got to admit it is a little bit panic stations there. JR's team, we can safely say overperformed on the weekend. Sixteen oh four is absolutely crazy. Looking at some of his scores, Jack Scrimshaw has come straight back into the team and chopped the one sixteen. In saying that though, all these Hawthorne and North Melbourne, but in particular the Hawthorne scores are so inflated. That was just a weird game of fantasy football. Will Day, who is pretty handy, but dropped 128 for me. And um, Blake Harwick, like you mentioned, Sisley was all over the shop. Like All these Hawthorne players have just gone absolutely crazy uh, during that Tassie game. But big score from him. Jordan Degoe, 120. Nick Martin, back to the Nick Martin JR thought he drafted last year, 113. Rowan Marshall, 100. Dunkley, captain, 232. And... The man of the moment, Harry Shears, 111. That is some crazy score lines. How many hundreds is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. I actually said to John, who was on the podcast just earlier, that he had the league high uh, total of six tons in a game, uh, for, at least for this round, but I was wrong. He has to share that with JR. So what the point I'm trying to make is, mate, you have come up against an absolute juggernaut of a team this week that has just come out of the blue. Would you say that you have bad luck, like violin sort of luck at the moment? Um, not violin luck. I think what Jay has done well is a lot of his players take a lot of kick-ins. I mean, I sat there during the <laughs> Hawthorne um, <laughs> North Melbourne game and watching Harry Shees will go from 45 midway through the third term to finish on 111. And I reckon about 90% of that scoring was done from him just waltzing out of the square, kicking it, getting it back, kicking it again. And I mean, looking at Scrimshaw as well, I think great pickup um, from JR. He's just going to slot into that Hawthorne back line and just do that, I think, most weeks. And I think the one that escapes it a little bit was Isaac coming around and scored 76. But I, I honestly legitimately think 70 of those points were from kick-ins. <laughs> like, I, don't think he touched it. I don't think he touched it throughout the rest of the game. He just took 50 kick-ins and just and got his plus threes every time. So, uh, yeah, look, came up against a very good team this week. Uh, like I said, though, I don't think he's the 1,600-point team that we need to worry about later in the year, I think, uh, as we might talk about, in, in I guess, in a second. Uh, I think that John Matz is probably the one that we need to watch. Last thing I'll mention about this game, and speaking of kick-ins, the – only man that I think takes kick-ins on your team suffered a first or second quarter concussion in Alex Witherden. Big shame because it seems like Jeremy McGovern has gone down. There's a few other injuries. I think he will play a massive role in the next few weeks, but it won't be next week because he's out. Is that a sad loss for you? Yeah, so I poked the footy gods there and got absolutely smited. So during that game, <laughs> um, I put in the chat that I wanted Yago Amira to blow out a calf mainly because I've got Will Brody not getting a game at the moment at Frio. So I wanted that midfield spot just to, to free up. And I shit you not, probably 10 minutes, five minutes after that, uh, Jaeger has gone and absolutely ironed out Alex Witherden, <laughs> knocked him out cold, gone. So that was me tempting the footy gods and them just whacking me straight back down to earth. So, yeah, Witherden's a big loss. Um I mean, he hasn't been scoring those those 90s that he was last year, 
the, the initial concern around with us was whether he was actually going to be in the best best 22. So I took that punt, which I guess the selections have paid off, and especially with West Coast being so depleted in that back line now. Also put in the chat, when, when McGovern went down, you beauty, Withered and the stocks are up. Bang, 10 minutes later, knocked out, going to miss a week. <laughs> no guarantee to come back in the side. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was that that hurt. That was just the icing on the cake for me. Your good friend, Regan Matrangelo, who, <laughs> who uh, was obviously quite cocky and ended up losing with a holding the ball in the last uh, 30 seconds, which I'll try and drop into this podcast as much as possible because I probably won't have a better... A better moment all season, so I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah, look, I, I was just going to say, Dylan, um, after, after Regan was defeated, uh, and I guess JR and yourself were very happy in the chat, I mean, I did I did say at, at that time, oh, you know, I, I kind of preferred it when Regan was winning. I'd like to take that back. I mean, the drive-by he gave me in the group tonight, uh, complimenting his, his lovely fantasy feeds for the night. Uh, and him just absolutely just whacking my team. Now nah, he can, he can, you know, he can go stick it. Um, I'm, I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard seeing um, Regan's team burst into flames this year. Uh, I'm definitely on that train. Team anyone but Regan. I'm all, I'm all aboard that team. That's fine by me as well. Yeah, uh, put it, put it on a bumper sticker. Davies can make some posters. Anyone but Regan, just stick it out. Stick it on the car wherever. Grady, three questions, asking every single coach these at the end of these, uh, what I'm now calling speed dating uh, interviews that I'm doing. And I've got to tell you, some uh, some great dates I've had tonight. I've had six in the one night, and I've got a couple more tomorrow. So, yeah, it should be good. I feel like The Bachelor. It's great. Most under-pressure coach in the quadruple AFL. Who is it and why? Uh, we spoke off air about this, um, but I'm actually going to change my, my answer. Mm-hmm. I think Regan... Maestro Angelo, uh, as you referred to him before, I think he has put the target squarely on his back. And I, I think anything but a premiership or even a grand final, I think, is is unacceptable. <laughs> Considering how his team has started and how much shit he has talked in the group and how much he has talked his team up, I think he is comfortably the most under pressure because what we saw on the weekend was a team that couldn't close it out. That, that game seemed to be done and dusted a long way out. And a few chinks in the armor started to show. Brennan Cox resorted to his pumpkin form. Yeah, I, th- I think Regan is the most under pressure coach in the competition at this stage. Second vote for Regan as well, and it's all self inflicted as well. There's nothing. There's nothing else to go along with that except for his own attitude in the group, which is just great. Second question is the biggest pretender in the quadruple AFL at the moment. Who is that? Uh, that's, I'm pretty clear on that one. I think James Davies, I know, I know I've gone after Davies a little bit in the, in the podcast tonight. Um, but let's be honest when you rock up the fantasy draft day with a spreadsheet, the size of your arm, all the different color coded bullshit, uh, and come out and proceed to drop, you know, mid 1300s and be comfortably bottom. I would say that's the definition of pretender. That's all I have to say about it. It would have been even better. I don't think he had it on draft day this year, but draft day last year, he even had the the basics backdrop that you have with the press conference that he'd ordered. <laughs> if he dropped the team that he selected with that backdrop this year, I think it would have been over for him. I don't think he could turn up week to week and actually <laughs> commit to this league and yeah, do some of the things that he's doing, which is great. Don't stop the weekly, James Davies. No matter what happens, we, we do love that on a Monday morning. But we, Yeah. But uh, we do. but just 
acknowledge where you are in the, the, the grand scheme of fantasy at the moment. Um, last question, Grady. I think I asked you this a couple of weeks ago to see if your tip has changed or if it's remained stable over the last couple of weeks. Who is your tip for Premier of 2023? And it cannot be yourself. Uh, I actually can't remember who I tipped last time. Um, so this might be uh, different to what I said last time. But I think, as I've mentioned a few times tonight, uh, John Matz, I think, Slippery Licorice, uh, looking far and away the best team to beat. That midfield, I think, all of them, I mean, he dropped a 1,600 on the weekend with Jai Simkin not even playing. So that's 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 a warning shot as well. Uh, yeah, I just see so much depth through that midfield. Um, Doherty in defence as well. You know, he's kicking goals from 60. You know, he's just doing everything at the moment. So, yeah, provided I think John's team stays fit, I think it will be very, very hard to beat. Second person to also tip John. I think this is the week that John officially goes from being slightly under the radar to being properly rated. So we were talking, Regan and I, <laughs> at the end of his conversation that what a weird and strange premier John would be for the league. Like, can you imagine having all this, I guess, street cred from winning a flag and then just not using it because <laughs> you don't talk in the group? <laughs> I mean, I'll put in the chat that, It'd be amazing if the only time that we see and hear from John is on draft day and then we don't hear anything from him in the chat all year and then he just rocks up on presentation night, takes his trophy and then disappears into the night. And that's it. We don't like, see- that would just be the most... Yeah, it, it would be incredible, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Excellent. Yep, just just winning flags and, and, you know, just letting his fantasy do the talking. I kind of love it. I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Grady, you've been more than generous with your time again. This is the last-minute call-up. I messaged you in the afternoon, and you were, you were very uh, willing and able to meet with me. So thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it, and uh, good luck for your game this weekend. Let's hope we can get another win on the board for the Grindhearts. Thanks, Dylan, and uh, yeah, good luck to the Doors this week. We're on the home stretch now, second-to-last coach to interview before we end this marathon of a podcast. I am joined by the previously under pressure, the previously in trouble Lachlan Norman from James Heard Immunity. Lockie, how are you going today? Yeah, Dylan, great to be here. It's good to have the shackles off. So, yeah, pretty happy with that win on the weekend. Winning a good score, 15-67. You can't complain with that too much. No, pretty happy with that. But, uh, look, it's this it's the second out of uh, three rounds of, of drop 1,500. So, it, you know, we, we're a little bit used to it. When we got rid of uh, Corbin Ballard, that sort of made <laughs> things a lot easier for us. So, so yeah, no, look, positive, positive signs. If you had lost uh, Keefe's with a score of 15.67, let's say he went 15.80, do you reckon you'd be a shout for the violin almost? Uh, yeah, possibly, possibly. Well, I haven't had look, I haven't had many injuries. It's it's just that uh, I've come up against blokes who are just scoring um, massive, massive scores. Like, you know, Dane Zorko come back and dropping that 122 in three quarters for Alex and uh, and round one, Jono's massive score. So, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say violin, but... Um, it's all right. It all, it all levels out after a while. Hey, before we get into the game itself, I need to ask you a question. If you could put a percentage on it, or even if you don't want to put a percentage, just, I guess, articulate your thoughts behind it. How much uh, pressure do you think the podcast has piled on you this year? Just in general with the, the narratives we're peddling out there to the community about how under pressure Lockie Norman is uh, when you, you are, in reality, dropping 1500s and we've just come up against some really good scores in the first few rounds. <laughs> 
it, it's one of the, it's what we say. It's like within the four walls of the herds, we we we're just focused on the mission and the journey at hand. You know, we don't listen to the media, we don't listen to that narrative. Uh, we just focus on what we can do. Um, and you was yeah, we, there was a big focus on defense, obviously, um, and <laughs> it, it probably wasn't that good against the Kiwis. He still he still put a decent score. Um, but you know, we took out LDU before the game, so that helped. Um, but no, we, we don't we don't listen to the the noise. We just focus on ourselves and what we can do in the four walls. Recapping your game, James Heard Immunity, 15-67, big, big score. Defeats another big score, Keefe's 15-11. That's a pretty impressive scout to knock off. The uh, What I would describe as now probably the resounding favourite for the flag this year in Keefe's. Nothing to be ashamed of on his end either. It's just a really good performance by you. Uh, what would you say to the boys after the game? Oh, look, we, we were pretty happy. Like, that's one we penciled in as a loss, to be honest. I fully, I'm not, yeah, not joking. I fully expect to go 0-3. So that's one that we... We didn't expect to get, so we're we're pretty happy with that. You know, the boys were boys were very chuffed with that. You know, we but we're focusing on the next week. So like we've got we got a couple of uh, tough games coming up. Ones that you know, in this year, you, nothing's a, a a pending win. So this week will be tough, um, and I think even next week against uh, the following week against the basics. You know, we can't write those down as wins. So yeah, we're we're just we're just taking it one week at a time here at the herds. You sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, two weeks at a time. <laughs> <laughs> just on that as well when you said that you had penciled that in uh, as a loss for yourself not sure if I could say this but you showed me the uh, not who tipped what but you showed me the the general results of the tipping in terms of uh, who tipped you for that game versus who tipped Keefe's as a collective whole and I think it was nine versus one in favor of Keefe's mm-hmm. for you and I think my game was the exact same so does it feel good to prove the competition wrong yeah it does yeah I, I think and uh, I think the wobbles were also in that boat mm. of, of nine v one, and and in both cases, and I don't know about your game, but Beeble tipped himself and I tipped myself. So, you know, we're backing ourselves in. Actually, yeah, I uh, did. Despite, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know that's good, and it, and it shows that confidence confidence can overcome. So, yeah, it it, it is good to to uh, to get the monkey off the back and, and show the comp. You know, we're still here. All right, let's get into the game. Can you just run me through, I guess, from your side of things, your team, uh, some of the scores that you're really happy with and, I guess, some of the boys who maybe overperformed or um, met the expectations for at least round three? Oh, look, there was Sean Darcy was probably bogged, well, definitely was bogged for us. Um, 52 hit outs, 52 cheap points in the derby. And, you know, I was pretty nervous on that Sunday, as as uh, people are aware of in the, the psych group chats. <laughs> um, so he, he sort of helped out there. Um Connor Rosie finally dropped a good hundred. Uh, showed why I picked him up so early. Um, but look, I'm pretty happy with all of the boys that I picked 200 plus in the forward line, um, and that was the plan to go go late on the forwards and just try and um, pluck some guys out from obscurity who who might um, break out. So like Archie Perkins, uh, Connor McDonald, who Grady knows. Uh, shout out to you, Grady, that Connor McDonald is one of the most underrated uh, players in the comp at the moment. Silky smooth. And then like Darcy McPherson dropping a ton. He's been unbelievable. He, he's my Cyril Rioli of this year, that defender forward that's just come out of nowhere. Uh, so those boys pretty happy with. Thank you very much, Dylan, for providing me with James Jordan, <laughs> uh, who also turned up. Uh, zero points for <laughs> and zero games played for you. Uh, one for me for a ton. So that's pretty good. And look, I'm hoping guys like Parker and Mills against Melbourne were a little bit down. Um, so hopefully they can they can lift. And, and Shannon Hearn now in the, the skeleton of the the West Coast side seems like they've always just running a skeleton side uh, West mm. Coast, but um, 
lost a couple of backmen there, so I'm, I'm hoping Herney's now going to take every single kick in. So hopefully we get some some more out of him. Hey, just a, another quick one. Um, do you want to at least publicly apologise to James Jordan? Because when we were negotiating the trades, I think your exact quote to me was, "Who the fuck is that?" or something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said I wouldn't. I wouldn't know if I fell over it, something <laughs> like that. And then I think on Monday I told you that Melbourne is now James Jordan's team. Uh, so. <laughs> So, look, he won me over. That's the JR level of 180, uh, if ever I've seen one. Looking at Keefe's team, nothing to be ashamed of. Like I said, some really good scores across the board. Uh, interesting to note that uh, Xavier Dersman was subbed out in the showdown and took the place of LDU. And I'm not sure what would have happened in, I guess, if that had swapped over and what LDU would have scored. But... Would have made a very, very close game. So, like I said, nothing to be ashamed of with the Keefe's end here. Good score, even with a gun out. Mitch Duncan to come back in, your boy. That's uh, mm. that's warning yeah. signs for the rest of the competition. Yeah, and I think Dunks, well, he's featured. He was in my side last year. He was in Keefe's side the year before. So, he is the, the talisman for, for premiership sides. So, watch out. You need those veterans in the group. You do, yeah. Calm heads. All right. As I've mentioned to every coach that has been on the podcast today and yesterday, there are three questions I'm going to ask you, Lachlan Norman, are giving you a bit of preparation time. First question is, who is the most under-pressure coach in the competition? Oh, I think there's a few, to be honest, and, and it's not me. And I've been led to believe that uh, there's there's a narrative that I'm under pressure, but I've got a lot of easy games to come, so I'm not too concerned at all. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty happy. I, I think a couple, uh, Michael Johnson, mm-hmm. who I think has been under pressure from day dot, to be fair, uh, the injuries have come th- thick and fast for him. And I think now alarm bells are going off, uh, as they should be. So, look, there was talk of, is he going to make another prelim and lose it? Now I'm thinking, is he going to make finals? Um, so I think a lot of pressure there. Uh, I'd also say there's a lot of pressure on Regan Mastrangelo. Uh... Um, allegedly, and, and I quote, I don't need a ruck. Look at my other scores. Um, and Darcy Ford has just been dropped, dropped. as of... Uh, as of us starting this podcast. Mm. So if Mark Pitnett goes back to the twos, which is every chance, we're talking 17 players on the field or whatever it is, one short anyway mm. for, for Regan and and uh, Better Homes and Gardens uh, looms heavy. So defiant when it comes to trading for Ruckman as well. I'm pretty sure there's been some reasonable deals out there, but not according to him. So look, that's his own fault. He can uh, suffer through that. Next mm. question is, who is the biggest pretender in the quadruple AFL? Well, look, I might have just alluded to two of them. <laughs> oh, quite possibly. No, look, in terms of ladder position, I think Alex, uh, and if it wasn't for the experience of former Premiership herd, Tim English, I think, uh, yeah, I think we could be seeing um, some lesser results there. Points for is pretty good, but he's the second least points against. Having different opponents in different weeks, he probably would have lost those, so... Possibly uh, not the undefeated force that we might think. And uh, I reckon, um, I think uh, Presbury, although, look, Pres, you started hot, but I think uh, I think the pretending has already ended. I think it ended <laughs> last week. So so I think, Alex, look, um, as long as you've got Tim English, I'm after you, Alex, by the way. Um, but I think you might be the biggest pretender in the league at the moment. My vote also is to Alex, but uh, Pres has come up uh, once or twice with other coaches, so I can definitely see that as well. Mm. I think... If all goes well, Presbury will be on the podcast uh, as the last coach. So we'll see how he goes. Mm, See what he says. Mm. Last question. I reckon I asked you this 
at the start of the season, even before we had a draft day, as who your pick for Premier was. Can't remember who you said. Don't even know if you can remember who you said. Has that changed? Oh. Who is it currently? I, th- I think I started with uh, B-Will. B-Will or JR, I think, from memory. But uh, I'm certainly not picking them now. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've started. Um, and a shout-out to B-Will as part of our Positivity Patrol, which um, some fans may be aware of. We have uh, Positivity Positivity Patrol, which we're um, you know, just seeking to enlighten everyone uh, with our positive mindsets. Um, but no, I don't think B-Will is a threat this year, at least not at this stage. So I, I think the the obvious two are the keepies. I think, you know, I, if it wasn't for the LDU getting dropped, I would have dropped 15, 67 or whatever it was and, and lost mm. probably, which makes it, that's pretty hard to do, pretty hard to come up against. And the other one, the the unsung, unspoken hero, John Mattinson's. Um, that's a that's a mighty team he's assembled there and and uh, he's got depth too. Uh, the bench has got some, um, got some sparks as well. Um, and I think, you know, he's got Chad Wingard sitting on the bench and I think Wingard might actually be back to a little bit of form this year if he gets on the park. But um, yeah, I think he, he might be the one to beat. A couple of people have also said the same thing about John. He was on the podcast earlier as well. Very, very happy with himself. Very happy with his team. And good to hear from <laughs> the man. Lockie, mm. I said 10 minutes. It's been 12 minutes. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And we will catch you on the podcast again very shortly. Thanks very much, Dylan. Enjoy the night. We've made it. I'm up to the last coach, the last of my speed dating rounds, and I'm joined by somebody who has not been on the podcast before. It's a great way to end. Coach of the now two and one. I had to check then that you were two and one. Two wins on the board already. Not bad, mate. The Wooden Spooners coach, Jared Presbury. Pres, how are you? G'day, mate. How are you? Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a privilege. Like I said, listen every week, so good to actually con- contribute for a change. Oh, the old uh, long-time listener, first-time caller situation. Exactly right, exactly right. So it's just a shame that I'm joining you after a loss and my bubble burst, but that's that's how fantasy rolls. And you had to do it against your good friend, Christian Economo Echo. How did that feel, mate? Um, it's a double-edged sword. At least, at least I like Echo, unlike a few other <laughs> coaches who I'd rather not lose to. So as much as you don't like to lose to a friend, it's at least he beat me rather than a few others. So that's I guess it depends just the way you look at it. Hey, before we get into your game and uh, dissect that, just a really quick question for you. We've noticed, and when I say we, I'm not going to throw the person who actually brought it to my attention uh, under under the throw them under the bus. I should say, when you have some injured boys in your team, so for example, like Patrick Lipinski, or if you want to count Taron Thomas as being injured, Taron Thomas, you keep them. You don't turf them ever. Is there a reason behind that? Um, well, it's just the way it's worked out so far this year. I, I'm not locked into him, especially Taron Thomas, but he's I've needed him as a loophole every mm. week. So as soon as I don't need his loophole, he'll go. Pinsky I'll keep. So I still think he'll be a valuable member towards the second half of the year. But um yeah, so that's my thinking behind that. We just thought that you really, really love Taron Thomas. Yeah, I do, but he's probably not the best person to say to associate <laughs> with at the moment or to give support no. to considering what's going on. So yeah, he's 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 out the door the moment he's not needed. Sounds like some culture issues at the Spooners at the moment. Yeah, I know, I know. There's been there's been issues down at the Spooners for a long time. It might be the coach, but we'll blame everyone else. Hey, let's get into your game. I'm going to throw it over to you, mate. I'm going to read the score, then I'm going to let you basically unleashing your team because you started off pretty hot, especially that first round, and you've uh, 
you've had it all come mm. crashing down around you. So score on the weekend was rainy or parade, 15-17, defeated your team, the Wooden Spooners, 13-35. I have to check. Am I sure that that score was uh, more than what Davies scored this week? I don't, I don't know about that, actually. That's, uh, that's a bit concerning for you, mate. Go on. Talk to me about your team. Let us know what's happening with it. Started off well, but I was always real cautious about how I was going to start. I had a lot of my big name players play early in Dacos and Rioli and McRae and mm. all that did their job, but they didn't bank enough points for me. And then after that, I had a, it just went to shit come Saturday afternoon. I had Zach Butters, who's I don't know what's going on with him. It must must be something to do with Ken Hinckley. <laughs> Ed Kerno, who I can't be too harsh at, because I think he was like pick 324 or something in the draft, had mm. about 25 points halfway through the first quarter to finish on 42. Morpool had a shocker. Yeah, was, I don't know where to start. But um, on the bright side, a lot of my earlier picks are underperforming, and at some at some time they'll turn it around. So it's not all not all doom and gloom, but. Yeah, enough about my side. Like I said, we'll talk about the the winner, Echo. He had some good scores all round. I mean, he had he had Jack Ross off the heap, who I said to you oh. before the round, I actually didn't mind that pickup off the heap with mm. all the Richmond midfield injuries. Pumped out a 90-odd. Harris Andrews of 124. That hurt. Um, Brad Crouch, who I think you've mentioned before. Mm. Everyone seems hesitant on him, but just another solid 120 yeah. as skipper for Echo. And Mason Wood, I don't know how he got 126, but I don't know. I haven't seen any of the Saints play, but he obviously is just playing some role, which is fam- fantasy friendly. But um, yeah, other than that, it's just a bit, bit of a disappointing effort. But hopefully, we can bounce. Hey, before we get into the next part of the the interview slash uh, review of your match, I just want to talk about Hugh McCluggage, mate, because. As you know, I haven't come aggressively knocking yet. I've, I've sent you a few inquiries <laughs> about him, but. I think you told me at the start of the year it was uh, Took and uh, Brayshaw that might be on the table for Hugh, um, and that's about it. What do you reckon now? Yeah. A couple 70s in a row. 70s are being generous, mate. I, the way it's looking now, you could offer me um, maybe maybe old Cameron Zerha and Liam Shields up in your forward line, and I might consider that at the moment, the way McCluggage is going. But now nah, that's what I mean. Like He's averaging 65. Like he, He's surely going to turn that around by at least 30 or 40 points, then suddenly that makes a big difference to what I'm scoring week on week. But yeah, he's he's clearly not he's clearly lost not being down at the doors, mate. He's not hasn't fitted in at the spooners just yet. It's one of those things. It's uh, you, t- you take him away from the coach that nurtured him for a few years, and this is what happens. The, the performances go down. He wanted to try a new environment. It's not working. We'll welcome him back with open arms, and that's okay. All good. Um, we mentioned Mason Wood. He is a former North boy. And I can guarantee you, he wasn't dropping 126s for North when he was uh, what playing out of a pocket, or I, I think he actually, to be fair, was probably probably one of the key forwards nah. there. But what's, yeah. what's going on? Mason Wood, he's Mason Wood was an interesting one. I mean, oh, he might listen, but he won't comment in the group. My fellow North man, Jono, he'll um, say that Mason Wood had one year there where he looked like he could be the next superstar, playing off as a forward, high half forward. I think he. Slash center forward. I think he would have averaged close to 20 touches and maybe a goal or two a game. And then we signed him to a massive five year deal and it just all went to absolute shit. So, I mean, credit to Ross the boss if he's got him playing back to that form. But yeah, the potential was always there with him. Something just went horribly wrong at North. So it's good to see him playing well, I guess. 
And just a quick deep dive on, well, mini deep dive on Echo's team. Just solid scores all around. He took Jordan Dawson off me the week before. Uh, 85, which isn't his best performance, but Echo, as he messaged me privately, just said, I fucking love Dawson just watching him play. So I don't think it matters what he's dropping. I think he's just happy to have him in the team. Um, and also yeah. a, a former revolving door, Sammy Durham, just uh, churning out those 70s, which is uh, good for him. Yeah, to be fair with Echo's side, he could have scored a lot better. He had Darcy Cameron go off, mm. Liam Ryan play injured. So if those two keep playing their games, he could have easily pushed closer towards 1,600 as well. So it was a pretty good week for him. Actually, yeah, having a having a really good look. Liam Ryan's the only bad, bad score in his team. That's 38. And apart from that, no mm-hmm. one dropped below 60. And 60 is not obviously... I actually mentioned this on the pod uh, with another coach uh, a couple of interviews ago, but 60 is not a terrible, terrible score. If you're getting a 60, it's sort of like, yeah, whatever. But, um, mm. yeah, it's going to be around the mark again, our friend Echo. That's, uh, I don't know if that's disappointing or if it's a good thing, but we'll, we'll work it out. Hey, Prez, at the start of the interview, or before the interview started, I should say, I asked you three questions to consider, and I said I was going to ask them to you at the end. I've asked every single coach this going to give you a heads up, mate. You've uh, you featured in a couple of these responses from other coaches. So probably the, I, can, I can imagine the, probably the <laughs> pretenders, I reckon. And a couple of under pressures, I think. Um, mm. First up, who is your most under pressure coach for the quadruple AFL? I still think the most under pressure coach is Grady Hutt. <laughs> I believe there was too much build up about his side round one, and everyone thought he turned a corner after coming off a wooden spoon. But, um, yeah, some of the trade offers he's sending me this week, I think he's in panic stations and a bit all over the place. So I feel like if he struggles again, which it looks like he might, he's the most under-the-pump coach. Grady's, uh, Grady's been called out a couple of times in that segment. And I think it's uh, loving to death, but maybe partly his fault because he pinned his own message saying, if I win round one, I'm coming on the pod. So, <laughs> and he did, and, he, and he's lost and dropped 1,300 since. So uh, not good for our friend Grady. Um, next question, who is the biggest pretender in the competition right now? I still think the biggest pretender is, and I'm, this will bite me in the ass because I'm playing him this week, but Regan, I believe, his side is good, but he is just getting some ridiculous scores which aren't sustainable. So that's not an absolute shot. That's like he's got a good side to make the finals, but he's been scoring a lot better than what he consistently will, in my opinion. I'm not religious, mate, but God help you when he hears that because I think you're going to feel his wrath. That's all right. That's all right. Put a bit of spice into the matchup this week. We're both two and one after all. Yeah, equal teams, basically. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I've got more upside, some would say. Last question. Your tip for the Premier of 2023? It was normal at the start of the year, but I have changed, and I will now say Echo will go one better. Uh, Looking at his side against me on the weekend was very impressive, and he still has the likes of Sam Walsh and Jaden Short, who didn't even play. Just be a matter of how he gets through the Darcy Cameron injury. But other than that, yeah, Echo's going to take some beating this year. Yeah, that will be interesting because I think his plan was once Laddams goes out the team to slot him down into that ruck spot. Mm. But good news for Echo, there is some talk that Laddams may not even uh, may even be out the team. It could be uh, hickeys to lose at this stage. So shout out Echo, yep. well, well done, mate. You've uh, put together another good team. Hey Prez, it's getting late at night, and I really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Who's on him? And we'll get you on again soon. Nah, thanks for having me, mate. It's been a pleasure.
Welcome back to the final segment of the podcast. We're doing things in reverse. We do have a get him off segment today. But like I mentioned at the top, I'm down a soldier. JR has succumbed to an illness and his voice is shot. So he will not be on the podcast this week. But I am joined by what I can only describe as probably the sexiest co-host I've ever had. And probably someone who makes my day better every single day. And the... uh, the woman behind the man, the woman behind the commissioner, and that is my wife, Alicia, for the second time on the podcast. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I am, I'm so excited to be here today. Um, I feel like I have been waiting um, a lifetime for JR to, to succumb to an illness, and I feel like today is my time to shine. I'm ready to go. He finally got all those anthrax packages you were sending him, so that, that's, good. that's really good to Fire know. him. <laughs> So excited to have you on. If there's anything I need in my life, it's more time spent with you. And we are currently in different rooms, but that's only for podcast purposes. I can't wait to catch up in person later. You know, we, we have some great chemistry and hopefully that flows through in the podcast as well. I'm happy to be in a separate room uh, from you today because I think we spend a little bit too much time together. Yeah, the old San Francisco, we spend too much time together. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Anyway. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. Alicia, you're here today because you are going to give us your tips for round four. You've been following the league quite closely. And in fact, you're an avid podcast listener. I would say you're one of the OGs from the start. Probably the first listener. Uh, I was. I gave you your first five-star review. Um, and I feel quite bad. I actually veered off um, your podcast, which the name is actually escaping me, which is horrible. Um, but I went over to Lockie Park's podcast. And just to suss out the competition, it's it's not bad. So I think getting me on today will um, revitalize I have to clarify if LP is listening, which I don't think he would be, but if LP is listening, we are not in direct competition. This is a fantasy podcast aimed at 15 people and yours is a general sports podcast aimed at the community. So we are not in competition with one another. I'm glad that your podcast is uh, viewed respectfully in the community, but we are not in competition. Alicia, you're here today because you're going to give us your tips for round four, which we'll get to very shortly, but... You have begged and pleaded with me for the last three weeks to have you on because you have wanted to have your own get him off segment. I can understand why. It's a segment that's taken the world by storm. And the 16 five-star reviews that we have, I'd say at least 14 of them are purely based on get him off. So I'm going to throw the microphone over to you and you can share in absence of JR, what do you need to just say get him off to this week? Fucking get him off. Yeah, um, he's coming off. Get get him back off. off. Get him off. Get him off. off. Rocket, rocket. We can't hear. I'm so excited. Um, I would just preface the listeners. I'm sorry. It's not sports related today. I did try, well, I did approach Dylan with a get him off, um, which was absolutely trashing. Uh, Turns out a nearest and dearest of the friend of the show. So I'm not allowed to do that. That's because you were going to go after a friend of the show, Kane Corns, because he said some not very nice things about the Western Bulldogs. And I said, there's not too many things that we can veto on the podcast in terms of get him off, but Kane Corns is one of them. Friend of the show, did a lot of good work for us. Shout out to you, Kane. I'm a big fan. Thank you. All right. Today, my get him off uh, is relating to Brisbane. I love to complain about Brisbane. Um, And today it's Queensland weather. I... (laughs) Last week, uh, finally swindled my way into a beautiful brand new hoodie. Um, I told you that I desperately needed it because Brisbane was going to come into some cooler weather. Um, cooler and it's fucking, currently <laughs> cool, cooler weather. <laughs> fucking hell! It's currently thirty-two. Um, the jumper still has its tags on. I'm angry. I've I've been waiting so long for this jumper, and and I'm foul. 
let's get to the crux of the jumper itself. So for those playing at home, this isn't a flex on our financial situation whatsoever because it is not an accurate representation of where we currently are. But Alicia's wanted this jumper for a long time. She's been hassling me for it. It is of a brand name that you are welcome to mention, Alicia. But I want you to just shock the listeners by telling everybody how much this hoodie is worth and what the brand is. Okay. The jumper was $340 brand new. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> Every <laughs> single time. But, uh, and for for the, the female listeners listening, I know there's a couple, Debbie, potentially Stacey. It's a mean bing. So it, it's a big brand name. It's it's a beautiful jumper, beautiful quality. The reviews are exceptional. I feel like I've earned it. You've earned the privilege to not wear it in the place that we live because it's 32 degrees all year round. You've bought a hoodie, which I said to you multiple times, do you really need a jumper? We've packed away all the jackets, all the coats, everything that we had from Adelaide up here, and you proceeded to buy the most expensive item you probably now own, which you can't wear. Can you justify that somehow to anybody else in the group? Yeah, I can. Um, I'm looking forward to flying down to Adelaide next week in my beautiful new jumper, and I expect so many compliments when everyone sees me wearing it every waking moment. I expect everyone to know exactly what they're looking at, um, and they're going to tell me how nice and, and good quality it looks. The issue here is you say that everybody's going to know what they're looking at, but I had to, what, triple take, I think, when you first showed me it because it looked like something you buy from factory. Like, it just looked like a $20, it looked like a $20 hoodie that you can just grab from there. So I'm confused as to what the big deal is, but... You've, you've insulted Miss Bing directly. I've also insulted you. If anybody told you that your clothes look like they were from factory, I reckon it's game over for them and it's game over for you. Oh, it's a, it's a quick way to get me to stop being your friend. <laughs> so get him off for you this week is on Brisbane weather. That's fair enough. It is very hot here all year round. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to some mild April weather when we come back next week. Alicia, my get him off this week is something that you're familiar with because I complain about it every single time I come back from this uh, location or locations, <laughs> plural, depending on where I go. And this will probably be near and dear to a few people in the group, but I reckon we'll have a varied response to this because I reckon some people would love it and some people would hate it. But my get them off segment for this week is going after barbers, but in particular, it's going after the barbers you go to where it's like the cool hipster, here, have a beer with your haircut vibe and, oh, g'day, mate, how's the miso? Oh, rough, oh, that's great. It sucks. I mean charge, and I can't find like a normal barber anywhere. I can't find anywhere where they just cut your hair for 35 bucks or whatever it is. I'm paying like between 42 and 48, depending if I go on on a weekend. And they're like, do you want a beer with your haircut? No, I don't want a beer. It's 9 a.m. on a Sunday. Like, can you, and I'm in a shopping center. Can you just like not do that? Just cut my hair. Don't talk to me. I fucking hate it. So if anybody here gets their haircut and has their beer with their, with their trim, you need to at least tell me in the group what's what's the big deal about it. What what do you get out of it that you couldn't just do from sitting at home and having a beer and getting a haircut separately? Uh, they do suck. Um, I'm I don't partake in the haircutting, but I am always around when you tell me that you need a haircut. It's always me and Otis wandering through the shopping centre for a minimum of ninety minutes because they don't stick to their appointment times. The other well, this weekend for in particular, um, Otis got through three quarters of the movie Toy Story in the time that it took you to get the haircut. It made me look like a terrible mum. Lots of people judging me with my son in a pram with my phone in his hands. And the worst part was when your husband came out of the barber, he was drunk because he had six beers. (laughs) 
That's right. All right, let's get into the tips for round four. That was Get Him Off, by the way. Thank you very much for stepping in place of JR, Alicia. We really appreciate it. I gave you a look at the fixtures before, and hopefully you've got a tip for each of the games. We don't have to spend too long on the intricate details of them. Let's start at the top. I'm really excited. I'm coming off two wins in a row, and I don't know if you noticed, I might have mentioned it a few times throughout this podcast, but I beat Regan on the weekend, Alicia. Did you know that? You did. Uh, you beat Regan. Um, I no doubt um, you put it in Regan's face, um, but you certainly were ra- waving it around in my face. I think Maggie got a look into um, your excitement as well with the double fist pumps, uh, especially off the back of the showdown win. Um, congratulations. Very well earned, Regan. Um, I always love a villain, but tough luck. Poor Regan Mastringello. That's a, it's, a, it's a tough loss. <laughs> it's a tough loss for him. This week, the revolve. <laughs> feel bad. This week, the Revolving Doors play Josh Ryan's Collective Mind Galaxy Brains, both coming off two wins in a row, both sitting at two and one. I won't give you my tip first. I'm going to throw over to you because I want to have an unbiased opinion and then we can probably argue about it later, depending what happens. Go for it. Uh, No, I think you'll be um, very pleased I am to think you and it's not because we're married. (laughs) Wow. Let's get into it. All right. Go the Revolving Doors. Um, I'm naturally going to tip myself as well. I think I'm doing enough each week to post an average to slightly above average total, depending how you want to look at it. And I think JR may have played his grand final last week with a 1600 score. I'm happy to tip myself. Next game, Regan plays the now struggling Wooden Spooners who were 2-0 and and flying and he was giving everyone shit in the group. And now all of a sudden, I think uh, reality is starting to hit. I'm going to go first with this game. I am pretty comfortable in tipping uh, Regan to dispose of Jared Presbury. And look, nothing would make me happier than Pres getting up, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I do tend to agree. I think uh, Regan will be pretty rattled, but I think um, he'll be working really hard to to lock in the win. And I think this is a pretty easy game to come back to. Uh, love you, Prez, though. Shout out to Regan, by the way, who probably had the opposite experience to me Sunday evening. So when I was fist pumping in Maggie's face, Maggie's our dog, by the way, uh, when I was fist pumping in Maggie's face when I won the game in the last 30 seconds, uh, and you were just sort of ignoring me going, oh, what an idiot. Uh, Regan was the complete opposite and got in trouble uh, at home. So, um, yeah, shout out to you, Regan. Don't do that again. No, and, and just remember Debbie's always right. Debbie's fantastic. She is always right. Oh, she's an angel. Yeah. Next game, Gina Grinehart's Grady Hard play, Magic Mike, Michael Johnson. Gina Grinehart's in all sorts. Uh, a lot of soul searching from Grady this week, trying to get some trades going, not happening, very unhappy with his forward line. Jono, on the flip side, has quite a number of injuries and some big boy injuries as well to Jeremy McGovern and Luke Shuey. I still think, given that, he has enough to get the job done this week, but oh, it'll be pretty good to get another Grady win on the board. Alicia? I'm backing Grady in. Um, oh, wow. I think Jono's... I, I love Jono. I think he's exceptional, but I, I think I'm going to go with Grady. I think he's going to get this one and it's going to boost his confidence right back up. Jeez, he will be a very happy boy hearing that. Next game, Rainy Your Parade, Christian Economu plays Slippery Licorice, John Madison's two of the more informed teams in the competition. John dropping a monster score last week. This is almost a 50-50, and the only reason I'm going to go John to win this game is because of that score last week, and he doesn't have the injuries that uh, Echo does. So I will be going John, Alicia. Uh, I'm backing Echo. Are you just doing this just to annoy me? Like, Not at all. Um, 
Yeah, no, not at all. I don't, I'm not across uh, the teams or the injuries. Um, I did ask for a rundown before this segment, but I could only get the uh, fixture. But no, I'm going to back Echo in. We spoke about him at the start of the season um, and everyone really liked his team. So let's do it. That's your fault for not keeping up with the quadruple <laughs> AFL news. You should uh, follow our Twitter page, which hasn't been updated in three weeks. Next game, the Collie Wobbles play Censored FFC. Censored FFC 3-0. and Who would have thought? Play the Collie Wobbles, who finally, Bradley Williams, gets his first win of the year. Very happy man. I tell you what, Alicia, all signs point to an Alex win, and I'm not going to do it. I am backing my boy in. I am backing Bradley Williams to, I guess, bring Alex back down to earth and to get his season well and truly back on track. And Look, I'm not even going to ask you who you're going to tip because you love Bradley Williams. So I'm just going to chalk that as B-Wheel and uh, move on. You good with that? Uh, yeah, I would like to say, though, I like I do back B-Wheel in to win. I think um, his recent injury will give him a lot more free time to spend focusing on the Collie Wobbles. But I do, I, I really appreciate Alex's sense of humour with the pizza and I'd love B-Wheel to have a free pizza. It's win-win, like I said in the podcast <laughs> earlier today. Absolutely win-win. Next game. The worst team that's ever grazed fantasy, the basics from James Davies, play a semi-injury-depleted Stasi Dimku. Don't need to spend any time on this like we do every week. Stasi will win this, even with the injuries. Alicia? Uh, Stasi will win, but I think that he'll be a bit rattled after the weekend. Um, so I think James Davies could put up a little bit of a closer score, but Stasi will steal the win. I think you're wrong. I think you're very wrong. I don't think that'll be a close <laughs> score at all. Maybe it's just my hoping off the back of Port Adelaide's tragedy. Poor Stasi Hasn't had a good couple of weeks. <laughs> Next game, Sneaky Jellyfish's Adam Schmidt plays our boy, the Keefies, who, although lost last week, put up another good score with the absence of a, a key player or two. Schmidt's team is not bad. I will say that. I said it before, but I think Keefies is the front runner for the flag at the moment, and I am pretty confident in tipping him. Keefies for me as well. Last game of the round. This is the last game before he goes to Europe. Adam Leach is in holiday mode, but he needs to get one win on the board because I cannot see him doing too well in the middle of that continent with no reception, trying to pick up free agents at God knows what time. I think he could be in a bit of trouble if he doesn't get one. And unfortunately, he's playing a rejuvenated James Herd Immunity who posted a pretty decent score last week. Sorry, Leachy. I think the Herds will get the job done this time around. What a Cinderella story if he does win, but I'm backing Lucky Norman. Shame, isn't it? I think the uh, the Norman's shit party is uh, starting to <laughs> starting to level out again, and I think it might be business as usual for the herds. We'll see. <laughs> well, Alicia, thank you for your time. You have done an amazing job stepping in in the absence of Josh Ryan. I will uh, make sure that I don't make any more comments about your factory jumper moving forward, and it's <laughs> it's always good to have you on. Let's go uh, maybe maybe grab a drink after this. Should we schedule in a fight later? <laughs> I'll check my calendar. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, I'll see you downstairs a bit later on. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. That's it for the pod. I have to give individual shout-outs to the following. Adam Schmidt, John Bewill, Regan Maestringalo, Leachy. Grady, Norman, Prez, and Alicia for coming on and saving the pod this week. It did look like for a long time there that we weren't going to get it out, but we're done. It's going up Wednesday night, and it should be there for your commute on Thursday morning. Thanks, everyone. Good luck for your fantasy teams this week, and we'll see you next week. Uh-huh.